Well, it was just wonderful to have David Bell here and just share the communion. David, thank you so much for that message. It was wonderful. And uh, just what, I, what blesses me about the whole thing is the Webb family. Uh, you know, we've had Dawn here with us, and then we had Yolanda here come and testify, and David was here. It's just awesome to see how the message of grace is touching people all over the world and impacting their lives. It's just powerful to think of Beverly's life and what God has brought forth in her and how many people she's touched and just how she just had that life manifest in her and how the grace message, the gospel, the truth gave her victory in so many areas of her life. Now today we're going to talk about uh, the fulfillment of the law and this is my third Sunday that I talk about this but today I want to explain the very same thing from a different perspective and I hope that this will encourage you and that you will understand that from the depth of your heart. What we have seen in grace circles is that we become antagonistic towards the law. And I believe that in the light wherein we have looked at the law, that it is uh, a good thing to be against the law. It's a good thing to say, I don't want anything to, the, uh, to do with the law. It's a good thing to say that I don't want to have life by the law. It's a good thing to have even a fear in your heart when it comes to, uh, to the law as pertaining to something that we need to do in order to have life. It is a good thing. The Apostle Paul even when he wrote Galatians, he was writing from a perspective of uh, underlying anxiety, if you want to call it like that. There was a fear, there was a care in his heart about the church in Galatia and the fear that he had or the care that he had in his heart, if you want to call it like that, was that these people would go back to the law and that the fruit of the flesh will start to show forth in their life. It was like a dynamic the law had. It would bring forth the fruit of the flesh in your life if you try to find life by the law. And the Bible says in Romans 3 clearly that through the law is basically the knowledge of sin and that by the law no flesh shall be justified before God. Now I want to read that passage and then I'm going to explain this to you, I trust, in a way that you're never going to forget it. Uh, Romans 3 and verse 19, it says, Now we know that the things soever the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Now, what is the purpose of the law here? The purpose of the law given to people is that, the, that every mouth may be stopped. Now, that was a Jewish understanding of boasting. And you cannot say that I can attain unto anything, that I cannot do anything right, and that the whole world may become guilty before God. And that word guilty there means subject to the judgment of God, or in the Afrikaans it says it actually in a different way. The, the, the meaning here, subject to the judgment of God, is much more beautiful. Uh, but in the Afrikaans it says, It actually says that you will come to a revelation that you will be doomed if you continue to trust in your own flesh. So the purpose of the law was to show to man that he has, does not have the ability inside his human flesh to attain unto eternal life. We must remember, if you want to obey a law, and by that law you want to have life, what you are engaging is human ability. So you will take human ability, and in obeying that law, 
human ability would flourish unto eternal life. And that is not possible. And the reason for that is that humans inside their body, humans as humans don't have immortality inherently. It is a gift unto the believer. We need to understand that. Immortality, the Bible says there that those who, who through faith and patience seek immortality, to them will be given eternal life. So immortality is something we desire, we want from God, where we realize that we don't have immortality, or another word for immortality means, and this is the way I see it, the ability to exist forever inside human ability. We cannot have that. Unless God grants it to you, you cannot have that. Now we need to understand that the law was seen as the perfect rule system whereby the Jews believed that they would establish by obeying that law a kingdom in the earth which would be the kingdom of God which would be such a flourishing kingdom that people will not even die. That is what they believed. They were seeking that eternal life. They were seeking that immortality. They were seeking that greatness through obedience to the law. But the more they obeyed the law, the more they saw their own inability and that they are not worthy of eternal life by their own works. And that we need to understand. Because that principle is, is true towards sin, towards fear, towards all those kind of things. If you, want to be, if you want to get rid of fear in your life, I want to tell you, it is humanly impossible to get rid of fear. If you stress about money, I want to tell you, it is humanly impossible to be set free from the fear of not having. If you stress about your kids, where your kids will be, their future, those kind of things, I want to tell you, it is humanly impossible by quoting scriptures, you're not going to be set free from it. By slaughtering a lamb, like I said this morning in our church, you can go and slaughter all the lambs in our area. There's thousands of them here. You can go and slaughter all of them. Not one of those deaths can save you from uh, lust or sin or anything in you. Because the blood of those animals does not have the power to set you free. There's not one thing in your life that you can be set free from truly set free from, outside of God setting you free. There is no way. You cannot leave the smallest of sin by your own power. It is impossible. It is only God that can do it. And that was the purpose of the law. We would give the law, and if you would break one of the commandments, then it would mean that inside you is not eternal life, and you need it as a gift. That was the purpose of the law. That was why the law was given. Now what we said in the last two services is that the law comes and shows you that you are, uh, uh, you are not worthy of eternal life by your works. Although God has designed you for eternal life, we need to understand that. It's only the basis from where you'll have it. You cannot have peace in your marriage. You cannot have true joy, you cannot have what God has intended for you unless you have it for free. You're either going to have it for free or you're not going to have it. That is the way God has designed us. He has taken man from dust, which has no ability in itself to 
have eternal life or have life. And He granted life unto it. And then those who believe in the Lord, that life that that dust was granted will then be protected for eternity. Now if I ask you that if I bring you a teaspoon of dust and I say to you, what ability that does that dust have to save you from anxiety? <laughs> it is impossible. The dust is dead. And that is what the law shows us. The law is the ministration of death. It administers unto us that we only have death inside our own ability. We cannot by our own power do anything. And that is what the law was designed to do. So what the law does, the law is like a mirror, wherein you look and then you see your inability. Now there is the law of life or the law of perfect liberty, which is another mirror we look into. But if we look into the law, if we stand in front of the law of Moses or works righteousness, we're going to see our inability. That is what's going, to, what's going to take place. And that is what God wanted for us. Now, I've got some stuff here that I'm going to use. And I want you to see this. Now, let me first do it like this. The law is like this mirror. Okay? Now, if you look into that mirror, you will see your imperfections. Now, I've got some chocolate here. And so we're going to put it on my face. I think I can put a little bit on here as well. That's it. What do you guys think? Mm, that's good stuff. Some might say, oh, you love sin. Man, don't take all the types and shadows. This is just... So, when you look into the law, you see your inability. You see your, the, the dirt, if you want to call it like that. You see your sin. Sin means... We are not sharing in the life of God. And that is not in that you don't love your neighbor, that you don't care for your neighbor or anything like, or, or that you haven't paid your tithes or done all the wrong, the, the right things. It talks about you are not sharing in the quality of God's life. That is what the law shows. You're not having eternal life inherently. It is a gift. And it, the beauty of the law was to come and show us that. Now, if I want my face clean, how do I clean myself? To apply the mirror to my face, it just gets the mirror dirty. <laughs> it doesn't get me clean. Can you see that? If I apply the mirror to my face, if I apply the law to me, the law cannot clean me up. And we need to see that. The law cannot clean you up. If you want to be clean, you need to go to something else, and this is what the law spoke of. The law, the law showed you your inability, but the law pointed to Christ, which is the one that could clean, would clean you up. Now, I've asked Elena if she would be Jesus today and come and clean me up, but she said she's working that uh, uh, mixer there. So I'll have to clean myself up, and what I do is, I don't apply the law. I take 
the law of liberty, which is another law, and I take that law of liberty, which doesn't show dirt, it shows me how free I am, it shows me how loved I am, it shows me how perfect I am in Jesus, and then inside that law, I find my perfection, and Christ cleans me up. Now, if I still preach with a bit of chocolate on my face, forgive me. Um, so, what we need to see is, we are either, when we look at the, the law, we have to see Christ. Because what this law points unto, it points unto Jesus. That's what it points unto. The law does not talk about, is not an instruction manual unto you, which will teach you what you need to do in order to be saved. The law, the old law, the law of Moses, was an instruction manual unto Jesus, showing Jesus what he had to do in order to clean man. We need to see that. If Jesus was over here, and I'm over here, and Jesus looked at the law, what Jesus saw was this. This is what he saw. He saw the blood. He saw the wine. He saw the types and the shadows of the old. And that it was just types and shadows of a different reality. And Jesus comes and he clearly says that he has not come to break the law, but he has come to fulfill the law. Now, the only fulfillment of the law would be a lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Now, the moment I say lamb, I'm also talking uh, shadow language. The only fulfillment of the law would be a man that can take away the not sharing in the life of God that is inside people. That is the substance, that is the fulfillment of the law. We have felt that the fulfillment of the law is, <coughs> is from, a, from a penal substitution system, wherein God had a law, and you had to obey that law, and if you don't obey that law, God punishes you. Then God says, well, I'm going to now incarnate a man, and he will obey for you, and if he obeys for you, then now the law was obeyed and now man is seen as righteous because Jesus did everything. Now that is actually a wrong way of looking at it. We can explain it that way for people that are law-minded, but that is not reality. <clears throat> reality is that the law was the law or like a law of gravity or the principle or what had to take place in order for man to be saved from a sin consciousness, as well as an experiential power of sin in his life, where he can experience eternal life. That is what the law was. So the law was that instruction manual. That instruction manual said the following. A man had to come, it had to be sinless. He had to obey the Father, to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was defined as taking away the sin of the world. Then he had to enter death. And he had to be raised by the Father without trusting in his own works from the dead. And in doing so, he would conquer death in humanity. And when he, do, when he does that, those who rely upon him who has conquered their sin and death 
will then share in his resurrection power as the spirit of that man that was raised from the dead or the spirit that raised him from the dead rather is poured out on those that believe. That spirit will then raise them up and clean them up. So, <clears throat> no person when he looks into the law that sees his inability goes to the law and obedience to scriptures going through repetitive repentance to, to get free. No one does that. No person when he sees dirt on his face is going to go and go and apply the mirror to his face. You don't apply the mirror. You apply that which can clean. And in this case, we apply and make use of the finished work of Jesus Christ, wherein we simply believe that God has conquered our sin and our death. And as we rest in that, God brings forth a brand new life. Right. I want to just uh, quickly go to Matthew here. Matthew, I've read this last week. I'm going to just do this again. And I wanted to use this vivid picture that you can see and understand that what this fulfillment of the law is. The message of the law <clears throat> was the following. You cannot be saved by your own power, but that that which can save you is a sinless man that takes your sin and conquers sin and death. That is the message of the law. So if the law says, in order for, if the law says you cannot be saved by your own power and someone needs to come to save you, what would the fulfillment of that law be? The fulfillment of that law would be the man that manifests salvation actually coming forth, coming into existence, that word that the law was preaching from the beginning when, uh, when it was given to Moses, when that law was given, that message that came forth there, which was actually from the Garden of Eden when God clothed the people with the skins of animals and so forth, that message that was from the beginning was a man would come, he would die, and he had to conquer sin and death, and he'll take man out of his bondage. The story about Egypt and Israel, and them being led out, going through the Red Sea, all those kind of things, those were all types and shadows. The physical Israel being led out of Egypt was not even substance. That was a type and a shadow. And the spiritual interpretation of that would then be the substance of a physical human being coming into this earth, Jesus Christ, dying, being raised, and then appearing to people, pouring out the Spirit that raised Him from the dead on all who believe, and they will then share in that life. Now, if, that, if the law says that, who but Jesus could fulfill the law? The fulfillment of the law was not a legalistic obedience to commandments so that God can say, you are righteous. The fulfillment of the law had everything to do with the preparation of a body that came forth in the earth. Let us read that from, I'll go back to Matthew again, but let's just get into Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews 10. It says here, 
for the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So you see the law cannot through sacrifices make you perfect. But the, the, the law cannot through you obeying the law make you perfect. But the law can through it being fulfilled and what it wants which is a body a physical human that can incarnate our sin and death and conquer it, it can make you perfect. Okay, let's read verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But, if, but in those sacrifices is remembrance again made of sin every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. And that is why when he came into the earth or into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you don't, you wouldest not, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings, now listen to this, sacrifices, listen to what he says here, and offerings you didn't want, but what you wanted was a human body that could lovingly come and seize man from perishing and dying. Now with that in mind, I have to go to John 3. <clears throat> I know that this message is a basically a repeat of the previous two, but I feel we need to grab this, and we can start to walk in our victory. There are many people that are struggling, you know, in many areas of your lives, and as we start to see this, we see this perfection and another legalistic way of looking at things is washed away from us. And the law which we hated under the grace message can become beautiful because we see it for what it truly is. We see the law as this. We see the law fulfilled. We see the law coming to its manifestation. What the law wanted wasn't your obedience. The law never even wanted the obedience of the Jews. What the law wanted was a human body that came into this earth. That's what the law wanted. That is what God says. God says there is a law, and that is unless a man conquers sin and death for or on behalf of humanity, life will never come to them. That is the law, and that is a truth. It is just a basic truth. John 3 says the following, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is the law. The law actually spoke about the love of God that he had to give his son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, if you read the law to obey the law, you will experience condemnation. But that is not the end goal of the law. Even if you look into the law and the law shows you your inability, that was not the end goal. The end goal, if once you've looked into the law and you've seen your inability, that is not the fulfillment of the law. The fulfillment or the fullness of the law can only be Jesus himself. He is the fulfillment of the law. Amen. 
So we see in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Perfectly clear. Jesus comes, and I'm going to share that this is going to bless you. This is going to be new for you today. In Matthew 5, and He says, Matthew 5, let me read it. It says, Think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Here comes Jesus. He preaches the righteousness of God in the great congregation. And He says, Sacrifice and offering you wouldest not, but a body have you prepared for me, burnt offering and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure in. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. What was the will of God? The will of God was that man would be perfected. Now, you cannot do the will of God, my friend. <laughs> You need to understand that. You cannot do the will of God. The will of God will be done unto you. And we need to understand that. The will of God is that you share in the life of God, that you can never die, that you will be above sin and all those kind of things. Now, if you want to do that will of God, you are anti-Jesus. Because God has said that He doesn't want sacrifices. He's not here wanting your sacrifice. What He wants is a body. And now, when we read the New Testament, we need to understand that a lot of these language which Paul uses is, he uses the language of the shadow and the type and he mixes it in with the reality. And that's where many of us get so confused. But if we can realize that the substance is the physical Christ. And the end goal, the full fulfillment of the law, was that you and I can love one another. That is it. Doesn't the Bible say, love is the fulfillment of the law? Now we thought that, what we need to do is, love one another, and by just loving one another, we are now fulfilling the law. You're missing the whole point there. Missing the whole thing. You, by loving, cannot fulfill the law. Jesus said that every point and every comma speaks about Him. That heaven and earth will pass away, but not one point or one comma of the law will pass away till it be fulfilled. In other words, the typons, the shadows will always be there until Jesus comes. And when He comes and He takes away the sin of the world, there will be no need for the type and the shadow prophesying unto what needs to come to make you perfect, for perfection will be here. And the first sign of that perfection would be love born in your heart. That is why love is the fulfillment of the law. We should never think that by loving our neighbor we are fulfilling the law. Jesus fulfills the law and the end of that fulfillment is the fruit of the Spirit in your life by His doing. And the church needs to grab a hold of that. <clears throat> church, I want to speak this from the depth of my heart. 
This is the pattern that the Lord walked with me. First, I heard that God loves me. Just like in a loving relationship, like a father loves his son, doesn't look at his sin, and so forth. Then I, I started to define, and the way I looked at the salvation plan was inside what we call the pen, penalty, uh, uh, what? penal substitution atonement, which is wherein we believe that Adam sinned towards God, and because he sinned, and God is such a righteous God, he has to punish sin. And then he punished Jesus. Now, I listened to that, and I was happy with that, because it blessed me to think that I'm not going to be punished. But it did put a question mark over the character of God. Then I started to realize that, man, God doesn't look at my sin, and he didn't punish Jesus for me. But Jesus came, and he took my sin and death away from me. And when I came to this revelation and I realized that the death of Jesus was a physical death, his resurrection was a physical resurrection, I started to see that the kingdom of God is not about going to heaven. And that was the next stage, the next understanding that the Lord brought to my life. So I started with God is just love. From that God is just love, I understood the love of God in the platform of the penalty substitution atonement theory. <clears throat> From there, the Lord showed me more about his character, the loving father, the uh, family logic, and so forth. From there, I started to realize, and God brought forth in me, that all of this is about conquering death. That's why there was a physical resurrection. And as I started to understand that, the day that started, the day that revelation started, I started to see and experience the power of God in my life. I started to see a change. And I can see how that was, how you could almost measure it. As this message of immortality started to get into my life, I, I listened to one of my messages that was seven years old, seven years ago. I saw how the Lord was bringing this and I started to speak about this immortality and started to speak about the life of God. And now I've come to a much greater understanding of this truth. And as I see this as the reality, I find that the law, I find the fulfillment of the law. The law was that should one man take away the sin of the world and people trust in that man, then this man will take of what is his, which is eternal life, and give it unto those who believe upon him, and they will share in the life of God, and then the will of God is done. Hallelujah. That is how this fulfillment of the law thing works. Jesus said, Then I came, lo, I came, in the volume of the book it's written of me. Now I'm going to end off with this. We're not going to have a long message today, but... <clears throat> Jesus said, I have not come to break the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. So what does the law talk about? The law talks about the love of God that is Jesus, wherein God would take away your sin. The law does not talk about your contribution. The law does not talk about your sacrifice. The law doesn't talk about your obedience to Ten Commandments. Even the Ten Commandments' purpose was to show your inability. Church, we cannot go and separate the ceremonial laws from the uh, 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 moral law. 
We've taken the Ten Commandments and we've said, no, that is the moral law. That is not fulfilled. The, uh, 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 only the ceremonial stuff is fulfilled. These ten we still need to do. Rubbish. As long as what you try to obey something and it shows you your inability, then it is part of the law. And Paul comes and he says that the Tenth Commandment, you shall not desire, showed and pointed out his inability, meaning that even those Ten Commandments points to Christ and God's, uh, uh, and, and, and the relationship of Jesus with the Father and so forth. And the end of Jesus living in that love relationship with the Father, bringing forth the will of God, which is for us, to effortlessly, by the power and the doing of God, have the Red Sea in our life opened, where we can walk through, where we can have the manna that falls from heaven, where we can be fed by God, where we can go through, uh, through the Jordan into the promised land, which is eternal life, all by the leading and the doing of God. That is what the law talks about. Now, if we want to separate the ceremonial law from the... Uh, a moral law, all we're going to have is, as long as we cling to the moral law, we are all the time applying the mirror and smearing the dirt around in our face. That's all you do. Now, Jesus did come and take away, break the power of sin, granted every man innocence, which was the state wherein Adam was created when he was made, wherein the, the slate is clean, where we can now either have Christ as our life or have works as our life. We've got the freedom to choose now. So we need to see that. We need to understand that, church. <clears throat> Jesus says, I've not come to break the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. Now listen to this. If the law is the message of how much God loves us and how we would give a man, if the substance and the fulfillment of the law, and what the law is truly saying is, a man will come forth that will take away the sin of the world. That God, God's law was not, I want an animal. God's law was, I want a man. I want someone who can set my people free. That's what I want. That's what God wanted. Amen. He didn't want that in the sense of he wants to punish someone. He says, I've prepared a body that can take their death. Why did God prepare a body? Because He didn't want one body to die. That's why He prepared a body in the womb of Mary. That it would not be you or me or anybody. But He prepared a special body just for that, of whom He was the Father. That body was made available to conquer sin and death. Now, if He says, not one point or comma of the law will pass away, till it be fulfilled, what is He actually saying? He is saying that heaven and earth can pass away, but his love and passion to save man will never pass away. That is what he's saying. We say it again. He says heaven and earth will pass away, but not one point or one comma of the law will pass away until God has fulfilled it. What he's saying is, even if heaven and earth pass away, Jesus Christ will come. And what God has dreamt for His people shall happen, even if this heaven and earth passes away and returns to complete destruction and decay and death. By that Christ and by His fulfilled plan, He would make all things new and His people will have life. 
That's what it means. It doesn't mean heaven and earth will pass away, but you will still have to obey the ceremonial or, or the moral law. That's not what it means. It means that even if it takes millions of years, God would never have stopped to have the vision to bring a man who can set us free. That's what it means. Since the law doesn't mean we need to do something in order to be saved, but the law means a man will come to save you, it is a beautiful message. Amen. And whenever we read the law, like Paul says, we need to use it lawfully. We cannot read the law like the Jews read it, because the, Jesus declared the Jews that read the law, he called them snakes. He, 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 he called them blind. He said, it's the blind leading the blind. And they were reading this law, and they were reading everything, and they read about the clothes you need to wear. <laughs> they read about uh, what women must do when they, on, when they menstruate. They, they, they read all these things, and they followed all the customs. They paid tithe on mint and dill. They did everything. Yet, they didn't see that it doesn't talk about a tithe but it talks about Jesus. Even today, we find people that are so blind that if you come and open the message of Jesus is the tithe, they refuse to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the tithe, meaning that He is the meat in His body that had to come to the storehouse. And then they want to argue about that. You don't have to argue about that. You know, when I read the Bible, I'm going to tell you, I don't care what scripture you read. In the Old Testament, if it's Sodom and Gomorrah, if it's Lot's wife, if it's whatever, the every point and every comma of what I believe the law and the prophets said was pointing to Christ and Him crucified, to the resurrected Jesus and the system wherein should you trust and rely upon Him, He brings you life. That is why He said, I've come to fulfill the law. And every point and every comma He's come to fulfill. Amen. Glory to God. Now, I'm not going to go into Psalm 40, but uh, just in short, Psalm 40 says that it's just a, the psalm from where the Hebrew writer quotes when he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not required, a body you prepared for me. Then he goes, he says, You have written your law on my heart. Now, God says that he will write his law on our hearts. How will he write the law? He'll write this He'll write the message of where God comes and where God is the one that comes and cleans you up. Where God is the one that says, let me clean you up. I'm not even supposed to take this and clean my own face with it. Someone else is supposed to come and do it because that is what Jesus had to do. But for lack of that, what we can do is we can say we apply that which God has given to us. We apply the truth of Christ and His finished work to our lives. Amen. By, how do you apply it? You say, what's true in Him is true in me. And I'm now patiently waiting for God to manifest who and what I truly am. Amen. Psalm 40 comes and He says, He says, Your law is written on my heart, and now I have preached your righteousness in the great congregation. So what is the law? What is the correct interpretation of the law? Jesus. Jesus. Everything in the law 
points to Jesus. Please church, you can say I hammer on this, but stop following these feasts. If you follow the, I mean, you find in the, in the Bible there were people following the feasts and that, and Paul says, leave them, you know, they do it unto the Lord and those kind of things. Yet, it is fine if people do it unto the Lord. But that's not what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing people doing that in the revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm seeing people going and following the feast in the revelation of the old, hoping Christ will do something for them. And if that's the case, stop it. Please, ask God to show you the truth. Ask God to show you that Jesus is that fulfillment of the law. He said, Jesus said, You've written your law on my heart. I understand the whole old. I understand Malachi. I understand everything. It talks about me. And now your law or your righteous act towards man is written on my heart. So, can we preach the law? Yes, if we preach it in the light of it being the righteous act of God towards man. I've said to, um, <clears throat> to one of the people that's going to broadcast on our TV station, <clears throat> I said to him, listen, he says, it was almost like a thing, you know, we are checking our doctrine. And I said to him, this is how you can know that for a start, if you don't know if I'm going to agree with what you say or not, this is what you can do for a start. Whatever you say, talk about what God has done for man. That's it. Don't talk about what we must do for God. Talk about what God has done for man and how he freely gives us life. Whatever you want to say, that must be the bottom line conclusion without adding in there man's works or man's responsibility or man's anything. But everything from God and only thing from us is we can believe and trust Him. That is it. Amen. Church, thank you so much for watching. Know that God loves you. He cares for you and He will always love you. You can never apply the mirror, the old law mirror, unless you look at the mirror as the finished work of Jesus. The law can bless you. Other than that, it will only bring forth and empower. It will bring forth and show the sin in you and manifest it. So let us as a web church not hate the law, but let us just see the beauty of the law. Let us see what the law is. The law is God's principle of life, which will never pass away until it is fulfilled. What God is saying is, uh, th those words, the law will not pass away till it be fulfilled, can be worded this way. I will never give up until I see my fruit come forth in you. That is what he is saying. Glory to God. And that is what Jesus Christ has done. And we are seeing the fruit of the gospel everywhere. Amen. Thank you for watching. Know that God loves you. He cares for you. He will always, always, always smile over you. He will redeem your life. He has redeemed your life. He is the one that brings forth peace and joy. I want to just say this. I don't care what addiction you have in your life. As you focus on this good news, say to God, God, I've got this problem, I've got that problem in my life. But unless you set me free from it, I'm never going to be free. And then you focus on the good that is His. And do that from a sincere heart before God and let God bring forth that life just by you relying upon him and you will see how he sets, sets you free. I know there are people that has written to me, many folk, 
and, and that's what I like about the web church. People are honest. They write and they say, I struggle with alcohol abuse. I struggle with pornography. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I want to say to you, you are loved by God. And that thing that is inside your life, the law does not condemn you. The law talks about your freedom from it. Amen. So there is no more condemnation for you. There's no more guilt for you. There's a brand new life in the resurrected Jesus. Amen. See you guys next week.